and welcome to another episode of the Write With Influence podcast, a dinky, delightful collection of tips, tricks and sketches to help you write better copy so that you can sell yourself, sell your products or sell your service. Now today's episode explores the question, do copywriters need to make sales? Which may sound strange, I've just told you this is a podcast all about making sales. But the reason I'm asking is because every now and then something happens that makes me question my assumptions. I've always associated being a copywriter with making sales. Uh, Personally, I was drawn to those direct mail style campaigns. Um, Whether you kind of mock that over the top, buy now, wait, there's more style. What I really admired was that those campaigns had to work really hard to make someone buy and there was no hiding the results. You know, a writer knew if he or she had failed depending on what orders and sales were brought in. So what has made me question my assumption? Well, a couple of things. A few years ago, I was speaking at a conference somewhere, it was was somewhere in Europe, I can't remember exactly where, and it got to the Q&A portion, which I admit I always hate. I'd rather talk and then chat to people afterwards. And Q&A sessions are, I, I just think they very rarely work well in a conference because you can't always hear the questions. The questions are usually too specific to the individual to give a proper answer. Or people, there are some people that just like to stand up and say things um, instead of actually having a genuine question. Uh, the question I received, I think fell into this last camp as a guy stood up, put his hand up, waited patiently for the microphone and then said to me, you don't sound like a copywriter. You sound like a product seller. And if I'm honest, he sounded a little sneery about it, like it was an insult, which completely confused me because I had just spent the last, you know, 30 minutes talking to a room full of people representing businesses that wanted to know how to sell more products through online marketing. And so I explained in my answer that to me, they were the same thing. You know, copywriters should be there to sell products and services. Don't don't all copywriters want to sell? And it really surprised me that he had made um, almost like a distinction between a copywriter was someone separate from a salesperson. And later on, talking to some friends who have digital marketing agencies, reinforced that actually one of their big problems was finding copywriters who really wanted to sell. They could find people who wanted to write, people who really identified with being a writer, but they weren't necessarily interested in really researching a product and writing to persuade people to buy it. And a lot of these people I couldn't help personally because this was, uh, you know, this was within Europe and they needed native speakers, but it did really surprise me because I couldn't understand why copywriters wouldn't want to sell when there are such good opportunities out there for for people who want to write for a living. And then something else happened, which again made me question my assumption that all copywriters want to sell. I discovered an annual survey that was done by the Professional Copywriters Network, a really, really good organisation that supports UK copywriters. And they had done their annual survey and I was looking through it and in one of the sections it was all about motivations. And the question that caught my eye was, what do you enjoy most about being a copywriter? And the top result at 45% was being paid to write. At 29%, it was being creative. 
and 15% said it was getting results for clients. Now, okay, that is still in the top three of reasons that copywriters enjoy uh, being copywriters, but it still struck me as quite a low number. I was thinking, say I'm an agency, I'm looking to interview a UK copywriter. If I'm interviewing 20 people, only three people are gonna be there because their primary motivation is to get me results. And that just really surprised me because if I don't, if I'm not driven by getting results from my clients, I don't get more work. And then I realized that maybe my journey as a copywriter had, has biased my, my opinion on this. And I'd be really interested to hear what other people think. So when I started work for myself, I pretty much had to make money out of the gate. Um, and it and it didn't come easily. There was uh, many, many interesting years of, of hit and miss and trial and error. But I remember talking to someone and I mentioned that I was, you know, starting out as a, a copywriter. And this lady had said to me, oh, that's, that sounds wonderful because my friend is a copywriter and he, he just sits in a cafe with his laptop and watches people go by waiting for his muse. And is, is that what it's like for you? And I sort of smiled and was like, yeah, yeah, it's just like that. Um, but on the inside, I was thinking it's kind of like that, except I can't afford the coffee and I'm not waiting for my muse. I'm waiting for the mortgage payment. I think because I was under pressure to have to sell, I had to sell myself and I had to sell um, my clients' products in order to get repeat business and build my reputation as a copywriter. This idea of, of waiting for my muse before I wrote any copy, it just seemed a bit odd because, you know, we don't expect our accountants to sit and wait for inspiration. We don't wait for our plumbers to wait for their muse before they go in and fix a problem. And for many, many other business professions, we expect people to perform by a deadline and be driven by a deadline because sometimes you just can't afford to wait for inspiration. Quickly, this way, the unit's waiting for you at the end. We're so glad they sent you. No problem, what do you need? We got caught behind enemy lines, we need a way out. The way you came in is too exposed to get everyone out safely. We estimate the opposing force will be here within the next 30 minutes, so we've got to act fast. Okay, sure, so you're telling me you need some good ideas. We need nothing short of a miracle. Everyone, this is Veronica Fulovit. She's been sent to get us out. She's a genius, apparently. I am a genius. So we're in here, but we want to be outside and we don't want anyone to see us. Is that right? Is that the the 30,000 foot view? What do you need us to do? Uh, we have explosive experts, uh, someone skilled in telecommunication. Lisa, a new recruit, is uh, excellent at hand-to-hand -hand combat, but ideally we want to avoid that. Okay, absorbing it. Breathing in the situation. Don't mean to push you, Veronica, but I know. But let's just, let's just think a moment, okay? Have a little freeform brainstorm. Uh, if everyone wants to just stand up, shake it out. Gosh, sometimes you're just not feeling very inspired. Do you know what I mean? Not really. Sometimes the best way to take definitive action is to go online and research lots of other people who have done what you want to do. Just, you know, spend a few hours comparing yourself to them and then despairing because they actually did it. 
we don't have hours. We have 25 minutes. You don't want to rush this, okay? Someone rushed Van Gogh once and he lost an ear. So you don't want to make that mistake. It just makes you look unprofessional. We just need to escape. Why don't we order in some sandwiches? I find that the vegan platter from Pret is just brain food to die for. We don't have time. I get it, you're in a hurry. But really, we shouldn't take any action without looking at some data. So here's what we could do if we want to feel like we're doing something, but without committing to anything. We'll do an A-B test. So half of you go one way, half of you go another way, and then we meet up and see who escaped. How does that sound? No, look, why don't we build a tunnel? I don't know, why don't you? Because that's why they sent you. They said you were an expert in building tunnels. Tunnels? Oh, I see what's happened. No, darling. Funnels. Sales funnels. I build sales funnels. Oh, you wanted a tunnel. I thought the deadline was tight. I mean, I am used to ASAP and yesterday, but I thought you were just exaggerating. We're doomed. Give yourselves up. You're our prisoners now. Veronica? Vladimir? I didn't recognize you in your Kevlar and balaclava. Nice face paint. Very edgy. Thank you. We like the NFL. What are you doing here? It is dangerous. I know. Do you know where me and my friends can find a way out? Anything for you. Okay. I'm joking about waiting for inspiration and sticking to a deadline. And I do recognize, I think that my, my opinion's probably very much shaped by the fact that my, um, my career, my journey as a copywriter has always been closely associated with having to make sales and having to meet those deadlines. And I wanna make it clear that when I'm talking about selling, my passion for selling is not about selling anything to anyone. It's not about using the persuasive copywriting techniques to make someone feel under pressure to buy what, something that they either don't want or don't need. I remember Zig Ziglar saying that someone who claims to be able to sell anything to anyone isn't a salesman, he's a con man. One of the things I love about copywriting is that you are, you spend so much time researching your customer, their problems, what they want, and then being able to bridge that gap with the product that you have and you are offering them a solution to something that they're going through. To me, it really feels like helping as opposed to pushing something on someone. Um, and I still think, whilst I understand that not everyone may share my close association with being a copywriter and wanting to make sales, but I do believe that if you want to be a great copywriter, you have to want to make the sale more than perhaps you want to write. And here's my reasoning behind that. One reason is that if writing is your focus, you can become really precious about your words. You can feel very sensitive if a client wants to change things. You fall in love with your sentences or the way something sounds as you read it out loud. But when the sale is the focus, you realize that your words are really just tools to make it happen. And you feel a lot more comfortable picking, selecting the right ones until you pick that, you know, you figure out that perfect combination for converting someone from a, from a prospect into a lead, from a, you know, lead into a sale. You know, when you feel that comfortable with your words being used in this way, you see selling more as an experimentation and writing, copywriting as an experimentation. You know, you realize that 
an individual piece of writing that you produce is just one piece in a very large sales puzzle. Just because someone visits your sales page, for example, and doesn't buy, doesn't mean that he or she doesn't want your product. It might not be the right time. Uh, that person might need to see it from a different angle. And this is one of the reasons why I think a lot of copywriters shy away from selling because they think that if someone says no to a piece that they produce, they are rejecting them as a, as a person and they're rejecting their writing as well, which definitely isn't the case. And again, I think if, you're, if you tend to focus on the sale and the results, you become less personally tied to, to your writing. As I say, your, your words become tools to facilitate the end. That doesn't mean that you can't be very proud of the work that you do. Um, I'm very proud of some of the pieces that I've done. Um, but I understand that if someone else comes along and can write a better headline that connects better with our audience, I'm absolutely happy to give up my version because my overall aim is to help the business that I'm working for. I think another reason that makes copywriters feel uncomfortable positioning themselves as salespeople is that a lot of people associate selling with pushing you know, copywriting is persuasive writing. We are encouraging someone to do something or to think a certain way. And that can feel a little bit manipulative. You know, we can feel like we are asking someone to do something and pushing something on someone. Again, this can make people feel uncomfortable. So I think this is perhaps one of the reasons why there is a disassociation between people who are copywriters and, uh, you know, that desire to make sales. But I still don't see persuading someone as necessarily a bad thing. If you feel uncomfortable about the idea of selling and you do want to be a copywriter, I want you to think about, I don't know, pick a time that you recommended a restaurant to a friend. You'd just been somewhere, you'd had a fantastic experience, you knew that your friend would like it. You were probably quite excited to tell them about it. And you probably didn't just say, hey, you should check this restaurant out you probably went into detail of where it was, the type of food, what the service was like, what the decor, the ambience was like. And that is basically copywriting. That is persuasive writing. We're persuading someone to do something, to go and try out this new re restaurant. But in a situation like that, we don't feel uncomfortable. We feel excited by telling them this because we know that they will love it. We are doing our friend a favor, introducing them to something that they may not have been aware of that we know they will love. We do it all the time. We do it with Netflix recommendations or podcasts or, you know, all of the time because we want to share the gift of what we have with other people. I see that as being exactly the same thing when you write sales copy. And one reason it feels a little bit more difficult is because when we're marketing, we're often primarily focus on the fact that we're asking for something. We're asking for that sale. But if you think about our restaurant recommendation, we're also asking for something. We're asking them to trust us and to try out this restaurant. So if you are interested in the idea of selling, but maybe feel a little bit uncomfortable about it when it comes to your marketing or writing copy, I want to shift, I want you to shift your perspective a little bit. And instead of thinking that you're asking for something, I want you to ask yourself what you're giving that person. For example, you're not asking them to sign up for your course, you're giving them access to valuable lessons. You're not asking someone to donate to a cause. You're giving them an opportunity to build a better world, to feel fulfilled, to be part of something that's exciting. 
You're not asking them to join your newsletter. You're giving them information that they can use to stay informed, give them tips that they can use to make their life easier. So do copywriters need to sell? And should copywriters want to sell? Personally, I think they should because I think it's a great thing. I think when you see your marketing message as a gift that someone should get excited about, it's really easy to be enthusiastic about that. And what I'd say is if you are a copywriter but you're not interested in selling, that's absolutely fine. I would just encourage you to make sure that clients have the right expectations when you are pitching for work. There are some excellent writers out there who do fantastic content, manual instructions, technical writing. Those are all very valuable. But if your client or you're joining an organization that is expecting you to sell as a copywriter, you want to make sure that that's clear so that they're not disappointed and you don't feel under pressure to do something that you're not comfortable doing. That's all for this week. Don't forget to subscribe and comment. Let me know if there's something you want me to cover in particular. And remember, if you're feeling uncomfortable about selling because you once got rejected, just remember that no often means not yet. I wish I'd realized this when I was younger because I recently stumbled upon some archive footage of an early youth theater audition. And as you'll hear in the next minute or so, they didn't really mean no. They just meant the world wasn't ready for me. Amy, come in, just stand on that spot there. My name is Chester Montague, one of the senior directors here at the National Youth Theatre. Joining me on the panel of judges today is Sir John Gielgud, <coughs> Sir Michael Caine, <coughs> and sure to be national treasure in some years' time, Miss Kira Knightley. Wow, they're good. Now, Amy, you're auditioning for Cormac McCarthy's latest play. It's called Bleak, That Sunday Evening Feeling After Dinner. The part you're reading for is that of Tabitha, a lady who is wistful and has breasts and dies. Okay, so what would you like to see first? I'm sorry? The song, the dance, or the acting bit? This is a three-part narrative about the Sunday sadness you feel before you realise the weekend is over and you have to return to a desk job that you never envisioned yourself doing. It is about a realisation that you are not an astronaut. You are not a vet. You are working in a leisure centre on a bank holiday. There is no singing and dancing. You're saying that the acting is probably the most important part. The acting. Then let's save the acting for last. What is this? I've written a song. You said that the play is pretty bleak. So I have written a country song. Five, six, seven, eight. I am just a girl from Hull, East Yorkshire. My daddy wasn't a coal miner, he was a quality assurance manager for sea fish. Yeah. Stop, please stop. Yep, I know. You really only need just a little bit to go a long way with that. Okay, let me just put my jazz shoes on. Re really, there's no need, just the acting. A five, six, seven, eight. Step for change, step for change. Jeté, split leap, pivot step. Lame duck turn, chasse, chasse, pas de bourrée, pivot turn and foie gras. Please, let's keep this good time going and move on to the acting part. 
I have chosen the passage that begins after they finished eating that starts, there was too much gravy on the chicken. As soon as you can. <clears throat> One moment. Why is she taking off her shoes? Is that a sock puppet? There was too much gravy on the chicken, but that's not gravy. It's the meaty tears of our regrets. Enough. I've got the part. No. Oh, Sir John? <laughs> Sir Michael? <laughs> Just Kira, you'll get a title one day. What about you? 